and welcome to the second episode of Slide Rule Pass Podcast, your weekly football podcast brought to you by the makers of Slide Rule Pass Blog. In this episode, we're going to take a closer look at the Slide Rule Pass Derby, Newcastle versus Aston Villa in Club Corner, and catch up on weekly results, talking points from all the action in the Premier League and across Europe, as well as turn our attention to the enigma that's Paul Pogba in our article review section. I'm your host, Chris, and as usual, I'm joined by my podcast and pal, Mark. How are you, mate? I'm fine, thank you, Chris. I've um, been enjoying all the football this week, so it's, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting stuck in there and the channel. There's, there's plenty been going on this week, mate, and we're going to get stuck into that in a minute. Just want to take a moment to, to say thank you to everyone who's uh, tuned in and listened to the first episode of the podcast. We really appreciate the support. Anyone who hasn't yet, uh, we're available on most podcast platforms, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and, and and a few others, and uh, obviously, if you want to tune into this time, this episode, first time round, then well, we're happy to welcome you on board, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. Right, mate? Shall we get stuck into the exciting slide rule pass derby in Club Corner? Let's get started. Okay, right, it's time to get stuck into Club Corner. For anyone who isn't listening to the first episode, this is the section of the show when myself and Mark cover what's going on with our clubs, uh, the Castle and Aston Villa, respectfully. This week it was very different. It was the first ever slide rule past Derby, mate. Um, sadly, it didn't live up to the hype that we were hoping it was going to. Uh, <laughs> it ended 1-1. Um, again, it didn't surprise me in the slightest by my side, but I thought the Villa played marginally better than Newcastle, which isn't particularly hard, mate. So uh, I'm going to pass it over to you. Uh, from a Villa fan's perspective, how did you see it, mate? Um, well, I think I respectfully disagree. I, I don't think we were we were the better side. Um, I think we we gave up the better chances. It was it was on pretty much a poor game. Um, there was very little creativeness from from either either side really until until Murphy came on for Newcastle, who was was really the difference maker. Um, in the end, Villa were lucky, very lucky with their goal. Um, you know, we, Watkins doesn't get much luck um, with offsides and he's hit the bar or the post so many times, I've forgotten how many. Um, and his header, it was about the only good cross we put in all night. His header was going well wide. Um, it, it flicks up off, off Adrian Clark's knee. Um, and loops it off the bar. I mean, that that flattered us massively. We we didn't deserve the lead. I think the draw was a fair result. Um, It, you know, it it goes to show really just how much that Villa team missed Grealish um, because there's nobody else that has has his, his creativity. I agree. I agree with you completely, mate. I think if Jack Grealish had played in that game, I think Newcastle wouldn't have even been anywhere near it to get back into it. I mean, the, you mentioned the, the header there. I, I've got to, I've got to take a bit of umbrage here from a Newcastle United point of view. When you're a defender and your manager is a defender uh, and a very good defender by all accounts, probably better than he, than he is a manager, how on earth can you let a guy take a touch, roll it on his foot and then cross it into the box without anybody closing him down? Now, I think the header was fortunate and Clark was very unfortunate, or agent Clark, as you call him. Uh, but you've got to close that cross down for me, mate. If, if Newcastle wake up and close that cross down, he took so long to cross that ball. He could have done a crossword in the Sunday newspaper. He took that long to put it in. And there just didn't seem to be any urgency to close him down, mate. 
I think that was that was pretty much across the whole game. There, there was just a lack of of intensity from from everybody that from from either side. Um, and, and about stopping the crosses, it was exactly the same for for Newcastle's equaliser. Um, the ball goes way out to the left. Murphy's the quickest to it. John McGinn should close that down. He just gets to the edge of the box and then stops. If he takes three three steps further forward, the, the potential is that that cross is stopped at source and that's the end of the game because that was, what, 15 seconds from, from full-time. Um, we stop that cross, we win the game. It looks better. Um, I, I, th- I still think we, did, we wouldn't have deserved to win it. Um, but, yeah, I think you look at the defensive nature of the coaches that we've got on both sides, you know, Bruce being one of the better Premier League defenders in his time, you know, Villa are sitting there with a defender as a, as a, as a manager and a, the possibly the, the best centre-back in Premier League era as, a, as an assistant manager or assistant coach. It, it's crazy that the amount of defensive issues they seem to have um, but yeah, stop the cross. He stopped the goal uh, on either one. It would have, you know, would have ended nil nil then, but it, and that would have been a fair result. I think, like I said, one yeah, one was a fair result in the end. Don't think either team deserved it. Um, Newcastle had the better chances, especially with with Murphy's one that hit the bar, um, yeah, and then the one he, with that. Oh, absolutely! I think if he scuffs it, he scores. He just hit it. He caught yeah. it too sweetly. Um, but, but there, it's yeah. Interesting. So. yeah. It's interesting because we were watching it, um, as you do these days in the, in the, in the cyber pub or the, that is Microsoft Teams <laughs> or, or Zoom or whichever platform you choose to watch it on. And we were sitting there watching it. And, you know, again, you've, you've mentioned a couple of, a couple of things. It's like Groundhog Day for Newcastle, though, because we, we get these teams that, Almost take the half off against us, you know. That they're not as in, in, you know, hasn't has much intensity as they normally have. They haven't got the creativity. They're, they're lacking their key player. You know, Wolves were the same, <clears throat> and we, we we start the game quite brightly, and we we look like we should really put a stamp on the game. But we've never got a better chance of getting a result against these teams than we do now. But again, it's just it's just that lack of belief, possibly, in the players. I mean, how many times did Joe Linton get into an opportunity, mate, that he could have scored? He could have shot at the keeper. And you can just see the fear in the guy's face. I mean, you know, I've been Joe Linton's biggest critic, as you know. Um, you know, my, one of my very first uh, uh, pieces of writing I wrote was about Joe Linton for a Newcastle fanzine. And I, I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he's good enough for the Premier League. I don't think he's good enough for Newcastle. And that says a lot because we're not very good. And he, he does have flashes of, 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 of moments where, you know, I mean, he had Mings on toast for most of that game. Yeah. But, when he beats him and he gets round him and he sees the goal, it's just like he has an anxiety attack and he can't do what he's meant to do next. You know, the opportunities that he found himself in, and again, this goes back to positional error from Bruce, in my opinion. Why on earth Dwight Gale was left or he wasn't central or whatever it is? Honestly, mate, if Dwight Gale gets in those positions for me, you're one nil down. Yeah, I can't disagree. I, I think you're right. I mean, Joe Linton played well. Up until that final moment, you know, he he, he ran Tyrone Mings ragged. Um, Mings looked really off off the pace um, on Friday, 
but you're right, Jolinton in that last second where where he's clear or he has the opportunity, I think because he's he just has no confidence in his own ability to put the ball in the back of the net, that he freezes and that choice of pass or shoot, it, it, it's almost confusion because he doesn't look like he, he is able to make the right choice. Um, this whole system that Bruce is, is sort of looking with with the is it split strikers now he's he's false nines, false footballers, you know, it's false just, managers. Uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it? you have a a player in the centre that can, and Callum Wilson is a huge miss. So you have Massive. that player in the centre that yeah, we 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 probably lose that game comfortably. Um, so likewise with Grealish though, mate. Likewise with Grealish. Yeah. If you had him, I think we would have lost that too. So it works both ways, doesn't it? You know, I think we were we were thankful that Newcastle were missing their big three. Newcastle are thankful that Villa were missing their big big one. Um, you know, it didn't help with Traore going off so early. Um, you know, that that changed things a fair amount. It, it stopped us being able to make more attacking changes later in the game because we'd lost one of those those options already. Um, I, I think it, we, we put it down. It was just a poor game. Um, it, does, it, it doesn't really help either team, especially after other results. So, well, we'll, we'll come on yeah. to them in a minute. Certainly not. They, they, they didn't help. But yeah, I mean, for me, it was, it's quite where I've got to as a Newcastle fan. And, and I'm, I'm, not alone, I'm not alone here. There's quite a few fans who are in the same boat as me that... I never thought I would get here that we were watching a game live on on on, on the stream. Villa scored, and you jumped up and nearly knocked your your, your whiskey need over or whatever as you were drinking at the time. And um, you know, rightly so, your team has scored, you got in front, you know, you you're happy. When we equalised, I was just lifeless because it was almost just that acceptance that you know there's another week of this guy, another week of this bloke being Newcastle manager. I was almost angry at Lascelles for equalising, which is, is mental being a Newcastle fan, but because we need the points. But, you know, I think I, I wrote a piece for the website. You know, it's a point, but what's the point? Even if Newcastle stay in this league, and that'll be a miracle because everything's going against them. We'll come on to that again in club court, uh, the weekly roundup, sorry, in a minute. But even if we stay in this league by some kind of miracle, what's next for the club? It's just, it's just copy and paste. It's rinse and repeat. Mediocrity after mediocrity, isn't it, mate? It is. Uh, you know, if they if they do stay up, then changes have to happen. Um, hopefully, for, for you guys, if the takeover can come back in, but that's looking, I suppose, more and more unlikely as time goes on. Hmm. I think the change has to come in, in the manager. Um, otherwise, you are. It, it is just... You may as well reload this season and play it again next season because I can't see there being any progress, uh, especially if you start to lose some of those key players as well. Because will the likes of St Maximum, will Callum Wilson look to move on to clubs that are going to challenge higher up in the in the table? It's possible. Um, you know, as as an outsider looking in, would you want to sit and and just battle for? For seventeenth, no chance. When, when there's the potential that you could could easily make make it into a side that is challenging for for the European places, I, I know which I'd prefer. Um, so it's it's whether the 
if the manager stays, then I, I think there's trouble. If he goes, you know, you might see you might see some good changes, and it, it all it, it's all going to depend on what what league, um, what league you're in, and with the takeover, there's, there's so many variables with it. We're just we'll have to wait and see. But it is it's 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 typical Newcastle United. I mean, I, I'm absolutely astounded that we don't push EastEnders and Curry for Soap Opera of the Year award every single year. This club because it just it just seems to be drama after drama, but. You know, looking at the, the the current state of play at the moment, obviously, you know, we're going to come on to the other clubs down in the relegation zone in the weekly roundup. And I think I said on the last part as well, I just see more fight from these teams. I see more focus, more desire to win. You know, I, I watch Newcastle and, and, you know, again, you know, Villa turn up and, you know, Villa having the night off, you know, they're missing their best player. You know, they can't get their passes right. Their shape's a bit off, you know. And we should be capitalising on that, even with the players that we've got there. You know, you look at that squad... Squad down the bottom of the league and the rest of the relegation battle teams that are there, they don't have a luxury of, of deciding who's going to play up front between Andy Carroll and, and Dwight Gale. And you know, they, they don't have a striker on the bench like like that. They can they can sit down, you know, like so Brighton have to pay Mope, but like so Fulham, yes, they've got Mitrovic on the bench potentially to come on. But but you know, we, we have still have a better squad or a bigger squad than a lot of those clubs down there. And I just I just don't see any desire to fight. To stay and, and go back to your point there, mate. One hundred percent. I think we're going to go down anyway. I, I just can't see us coming out. There's too many familiar signs of relegation, and, and unlike other relegation seasons, where I thought, you know what, we've still got that little bit of quality to get out of this. I just don't think we we'll have because, you know, you're asking Wilson, Almiron, and ASM to maximum comeback and just hit the ground running and, and win his games, and that's really hard because even when they they've been fit, they haven't won his games. So it's a, it's a hell of an ask to ask of those big three players to pull us out of the mire. I think we're going to go down. And what concerns me even more, if they keep this guy in charge, because let's be honest, he's he's viewed for some reason as a championship manager, specialist of getting teams out of the league. And I know as a Villa fan, <laughs> you'll certainly not agree with that, mate. I disagree there. Yeah, absolutely. But he's alienating the talented young players that potentially we'll need next season. The long staffs, Elliot Anderson, they're not getting a look in either. You know, no. I don't understand where he's going as a manager at this football club. It almost seems like he knows he's not up for the job, but he won't leave. And Ashley doesn't want to pay him. So they're waiting to see who blinks first. And Newcastle United's Premier League status is collateral damage in this battle of wills. Yeah, I, absolutely right. I'm not going to disagree. It's which one will blink. Um, I, I think... Maybe Ashley has banked on him not having to make the decision by waiting for for a takeover to happen. But again, that's that, that looks to be so far away now that mm. he's going to have to make a decision sooner rather than later. And you know they've got one more game before before the the international break. So and that so. is such that's such a huge game next weekend now um, that. You know, yeah. if that goes against Newcastle, surely, surely they have to pull the trigger at that point and go, we, we need this to change. Because there'll be eight, nine games left at that point. It's slowly running out of time. We're almost in Shearer territory, if you remember, when they brought yeah. Alan, you know, in 2009 with eight games. We, we went to some of those games. Uh, you know, the atmosphere was bouncing and everyone was, it was electric because it was Shearer. 
But the top and bottom of it was the players didn't put it in. And I don't see the players putting it in now. I mean, the, you know, I look at players like Shelby and people like that. And I mean, Joe Cole was hilarious on, 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 the, on BT when we were watching it. You know, he said, you know, you need the senior players to step up. Senior players like John Joe Shelby. And I just thought, wow, that's the scariest thing I think I've heard all week. And then he followed it up. He had a beat it, did, did little Joe. And he said, um, if you're in a relegation fight, Steve Bruce is the kind of man you want. <laughs> and, and just, you show me a club that he's actually kept in the league. <laughs> well, not, not only that, but what has he shown so far to, to warrant that kind of backing? He, he hasn't shown anything, you know. No. He's... The 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 form, even with those those players that that he's got at his disposal this season, is so poor. Um, and you get moments of of greatness from those players, but not enough. But I think that's based on the fact that who they're playing for, the style of football that that they're playing, yeah. it's it's always set up to not lose. At no point is there any thought of let's go out and try and win this game and and those yeah. are the types of players that are that will do that if you unleash them they'll oh. go out and they'll win you more more games but they're agree. just not being agree. allowed to i couldn't agree more i mean it's it's counterproductive to players like Sir maximum almiron wilson you know if you, you imagine if someone like um Eddie howe had this team you know who plays on the front foot who likes to you know drive forward yes you know bournemouth went down you know, and, and obviously the Bournemouth fans will have their opinion on anyhow towards the back end of his time there. But invariably, the style of football and the identity is the key word here. The identity that he would put on a side like that with those players, it, it would be worlds apart, mate. But, you know, I, I don't think we're going to get anything against Brian. And we'll come on to another reason why that is in the weekly roundup next. But uh, I, I honestly don't think that we have enough to beat those guys. And as you say, mate, I just hope that they pull the trigger. But I'm starting to have a horrible acceptance that Steve Bruce is here till the death and it will be the death of Newcastle United. Yeah, I, I think I think so. It looks likely that he, he will be there until the end of the season. You hope that they, they do enough over, over the last few games to, to just stay ahead of Fulham now. It's going to be tough, especially that, that last game of the season just becomes more and more critical now. And Absolutely. At Craven Cottage, potentially with fans there now, that mm. looks more difficult. A hundred percent. And just to, just to finish, mate, on the Villa, we've, we've had enough of the boring lot in black and white. So so the Villa obviously kind of disappointed not to get some now the game. The season's fizzing out a little bit, mate. What, what, would, you, what would you think about the end of the season with the Villa? It's it's an odd one because we were, you know, we, we scraped by last season. We, we stayed up by the skin of our teeth. We've been so good at the start of this year uh, or at the start of this season. It, it form has dipped. I think if if you told any Villa fan that we'd be mid-table with 10 games to go, we would snap your hands off for it. I think it's disappointing the way that we've played in recent weeks, especially against Sheffield United, against Newcastle. Those are games that if you've got lofty ambitions, you should be you should be winning regardless really of who's in the, the team or you know looking like you're, you're capable of winning. I think we're we're probably looking at that mid-table route now, and that's probably a fair result overall. Um, we can still be disappointed, but we still look at it and go, well, we've come a long way. Um, 
when Smith took over, we were bottom half of the, the championship. We went on a phenomenal run, um, including that, that 10 game winning streak that got us got us into the playoffs. We got promoted. Um, we had to we had to build a pretty much a new squad. Um, we we stayed up and we're doing all right, I think. Yeah. So long as we continue to build, it, it's all progress. Um, I know there have been some voices that have questioned Smith and is this as far as he can take us, but he's taken us an awful long way in a short space of time. And yes, we can be disappointed, and I, and I probably more than anyone was was massively disappointed with with the game on Friday. I just think it was a an opportunity again for us to show that we we can play without with without Grealish. Yeah, but with yeah, we, we've got to look positive as a whole. Um, hopefully, you know, over the next few games, we can we can start to see a little bit more positive um, play. Um, Jack, hopefully, is back against Tottenham next weekend. So, yeah, we'll which will yeah, which will be a, will be a big game to to get the main man back, mate. So, so yeah, we'll we'll end that on a positive, mate. And we're, we're done talking about our clubs, which can uh, age you years and years and years. So, we're going to move on to uh, the next section now and talk about everybody else's club in, in the weekly roundup. Okay, so it's weekly roundup time where myself and Mark have a little look what's been going on in the Premier League this week and we're also going to cover the Champions League and Europa League fixtures this week. So starting off on the Monday, Chelsea versus Everton. I think we predicted a, a Chelsea win here in the last podcast and uh, yeah, Chelsea took this game nice and simple 2-0. I think Everton are a little bit checked and high at the moment. You know, Thomas Tuchel's unbeaten runs continued. Havers looked a bit lively, mate. He could have had a couple of goals if it wasn't for a dodgy deflection and a handball and he, and he won the penalty for the second, mate. How did you say it? I, th- I think exactly that. I think you're right. We 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 said they would they would probably have enough to to see off Everton. Everton they've hit a, a little bit of a sticky patch. Um, Havertz did look lively. Um, Werner still can't score. Uh, he does. He did play well. Um, you know, he, he he does work hard, but he he just something lacking with him at the moment is whether it's just confidence, maybe he'll, he'll score one or two and, and that will just start the, the you know, open the floodgates. Yeah, he might just need a bit more time to settle in the league, possibly, mate. I think he's got, he's such a good player. You write him off now, it's just a bit premature, I think. Oh, absolutely. You know, still remember that he is young. He he will take time to adapt to the league as Havertz, you know, will we'll need, they, they just need a little bit of a a run and things will, I think things will come good for them. They are both phenomenal players. Oh, they are absolutely. I'd back them to both have good tournaments in the, in the summer as well, mate. So uh, just moving on, uh, West Ham and Leeds, that was 2-0 to David Moyes' Champion League, Champions League chasing side, which is the weirdest thing to say out loud. I never would have thought I'd said that a few years ago when he got binned by Sunderland. Uh, but, but Leeds had plenty of possession and, and intent, but no cutting edge for them. Um, and they can be a little bit like that as well. I think they do miss that Clinical edge up front. Lingard continues to prove the critics wrong, myself included. I've been a huge critic of Lingard. There's a there's a piece on our blog, uh, Too Hard on Lingard, which I openly admit that was too hard. So uh, check that out, guys, if you haven't. Uh, he won the penalty, scored after a rebound, and then a bullet headed by Dawson after a great ball from Creswell, who's a very good player. Um, 
Leeds probably would have got back in the game if uh, your old mate Patrick Bamford hadn't fluffed two pretty easy chances. Stop smiling, mate. Come on, the poor lad missed his chances. But but yeah, what did you, what did you make of the game, mate? It was an odd scoreline. I think you know Leeds had enough chances to have to have kept that scoreline level at the end, or even won. Um, they had two early goals disallowed. Bamford, you're right, hit Mister Mister couple of of sitters, um, or at least left one left sitter. Um, well, exactly. Yeah. Uh, was it Rodrigo had one cleared off the line? So, but it's it it comes down again. I think that Leeds defensively, especially at set pieces. I mean, West Ham, two or three corners in a row, they looked like they were going to score every one. Um, obviously, Dawson scored from from the one. It, it's just, it's a huge problem that they have. Um, and and you, you, you would think, you know, a manager as good as Bielsa would would have recognised that sooner and, and, and started to put things in place to, for that to stop happening. But it, it keeps happening. It, I think it's the, not the a, fact- yeah, they banked so much on getting uh, White, didn't they? Uh, and then Brighton dug their heels. And I think that was a real issue for them at the start of the season. And, and uh, you, know, you know, looking at next season, they've got to address that that defence. Because everything else with Leeds is, is, is brilliant to watch, you know, on the front foot, the way that moves with the lines, play great stuff. I think if they sort out the defence and probably get a more clinical strike, and I know it's weird because Bamford's got, what has he got, 13 goals or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's still too hitty-missy for me, mate. And I think this game highlighted that. Yeah, I think they need somebody else up there. Certainly, if if Bamford isn't playing well or or, or does miss, you know, and it, you need a bit of a change, they they really lack somebody else to to play in that role. Um, Rodrigo's not been very good as he's not really taken off as either. Not Long really, much. but again, maybe it's, it's just a, a matter of time for for him to to sort of settle. I think we sort of saw that with with Rafinha. He, he was. He looked off the pace to start with, but he looked at mm. a difference maker now. Goodbye. I think it's just options and, and another year in the Premier League for Leeds and, and they'll take another step up. You know, I don't see them slipping back. It's it's sort of one direction for them at the moment and, and, and that's upwards. If they if they continue to do what they what they do well and they can sol- solve some of the problems that they have, they're, they're only going to get better. No, definitely. I think, I think yeah, it'll be a big summer for Leeds and I'll certainly be keeping an eye on them. So I've always had a soft spot for them. So moving on to Wednesday, um, Man City and Southampton. We, we said in the, the last pod that, you know, City would have been smart after that Manchester derby defeat. And boy, did, the, did they get back to it against Southampton. 5-2, they beat the Saints. Um, De Bruyne with a brace, Mares with a couple himself. He was fantastic. But, but weirdly enough, the game was largely remembered for a bit of a controversy with, with Phil Foden. Um, going through uh, towards the, the keeper McCarthy, ridiculous lunge. You know, as an ex-keeper, mate, you you can cover this from a goalkeeper's perspective in a second. But you credit a phone, he doesn't go down. But VAR look at it, and, and they don't give a pen. Just what the hell's going on with this thing, mate? I was ridiculous. I mean, I can understand a referee not seeing an incident firsthand or thinking that that McCarthy's got a touch. But when VAR look at that, it's so clear that it's. I mean, it's a penalty all day long. Um, I, I really don't get how that's not given. Um, I can under, completely understand why Guardiola was was furious with it afterwards, and you know his sides just just scored five, but that that sort of decision should be given. There's there's no reason. That's the whole point of VAR. Referee doesn't see it. VAR looks at it and goes, "Yeah, we've missed one there." 
go and have a look at it on the monitor and get it changed. There was none of that. Um, no, it was a tap in for it, VAR, really, wasn't it? In football and terms, absolutely. you know, easiest, easiest VAR decision you've ever going to see. But it has led to apparently a VAR survey now going out to all the Premier League clubs. And I can only imagine the answers they're going to get back on, on those surveys. I, I hope they haven't left a, an open page for, for some free free dialogue because there might be a few F's and Jeff's in there, I think, possibly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that. You know some of the suggestions that are, were coming out from from elsewhere, the the Australian league, where the you know the the referees are mic'd up, so you can hear mm. what decision they're looking at and why. I know there's 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 arguments against it because of the language involved from players and things, but sorry, the players would just have to learn to you know hold their tongue a little bit. Rugby players can do it, cricketers can do it. There's but, no reason why footballers can't. It's yeah. you know having that as the is the reason why it's not brought in is ridiculous. If you it remember just clear things up. Yeah, grassroots football when we were playing, some refs used to book you for swearing, didn't they? You know, so it could even possibly be that potentially. But uh, you know, I think there might be <clears throat> there might be a feeling Jamie Vardy might get a few red cards. <laughs> Judging <laughs> by how much he has sometimes. So uh, yeah, moving on to Friday's game, which we've we'll covered in Club Corner. We, we won't uh, go back and look at El Crapico again. Um, moving into Saturday, uh, Leeds were taking on Chelsea. That was nil-nil. Again, two goals and beaten run continues. But again, with Chelsea, they, they sometimes surprise you. I mean, they must absolutely ruin people's ackers because you think they're steady away for a win, uh, as as Leeds can be steady away for a defeat. Both teams just uh, battered a duck, mate. Yeah, the lead, uh, lead, sorry. Chelsea's record under, under Tuchel is, I mean, they're unbeaten, which you obviously can't knock. They're not scoring, which is it? As a Chelsea fan, would would worry me, especially with the players that they've got. They've they've solved the issue of, of conceding goals and stupid goals at that. The defense looks far more solid. But I think what is it now? They've they've only scored thirteen goals in those twelve games that he's been in charge. And for a team that has the likes of of Giroud and Werner, Havertz, Abraham, Mount, Pulisic. Hudson and you name them, mate. Some good you know, players. They should be scoring more more than one one a game, and that will come. I think. I think it's a a change in in style from yeah. from Frank to to Tuchel. But they yeah, they're a they're a they're a funny team. Um, but again, that they, they are playing. They are playing well. It's not like they're not making chances. It just. It's probably going to be one of those where at some point somebody is just going to take a hammer and off them because everything will come off. Exactly, mate. I couldn't agree with you more. So, you know, from the, the Champions League places to the, the battle at the bottom, uh, Palace versus West Brom. This was a, a VAR-assisted penalty here as well, a, a handball. But this has really got to ruin West Brom's hopes of staying up, mate. I mean, there were... There were it was a long stretch before, um, you know, this the escapist that is big Sam Allardyce. I don't think he's going to be able to get the chains off on this one, mate. What do you think? No, definitely not. Um, no argument with it with a penalty. Um, I think you know Furlong. It was an awful decision from him to to lean his arm. I think it hit him in the in the inside of his elbow. So there's absolutely no argument with that. Um, I think Big Sam said they've got an absolute mountain to climb. It's that mountain's Everest. It's I can't see any way out for them now. Um, I think you, you've got two now that are down uh, and one plays up for grabs. I think that's it. I think they're, they're now playing for pride and, and looking at next season. 
I think you're absolutely right. And, and moving on to the next game, we had uh, Everton and Burnley. And again, Everton, as I mentioned before, Jekyll and Hyde side. You, Everton at home, you'd expect them to take care of Burnley. But got to give credit to Sean Dyche and the guys. You know, they, they, they pulled the game out 2 1 uh, with a goal from Cristiano, uh, sorry, uh, Dwight McNeil <laughs> in the top corner. <laughs> it was an absolute screamer. Uh, they pulled them seven points clear of the drop zone and five clear of my beloved Newcastle. Man, how did you see this game? Yeah, again, Everton, they were poor to start. They were much, much better after they went um, 2-0 down. It could have been three. You know, just after McNeil scores that wonder goal, um, I think it was Goodmanson hit, then hit the post. Um, I think that was the point in which Pickford injured himself as well. So, um, whether Everton will, will miss miss him for, for any games, I'm not sure. Um, but as much... As Everton looked like they were back in the game afterwards, you've always kind of felt that Burnley had enough just to hold on. Um, so, yeah, it was a good result for Burnley. It pulls them further away. The result, it helps everybody in that in that European challenge sort of right the way down to, to sort of 10th, I think, because it just as teams stop sort of picking up points or picking up wins... Everybody else seems to drop those those games as well. So the weekend you've you've had quite a few where, you know, Chelsea haven't picked up a win. Um, Everton chasing, you know, that that pack haven't haven't picked up. West Ham a, again have uh, sort of haven't won yesterday, and there was that that bunch of about sort of six to seven teams is just. They're getting a little bit closer together, so it, it could make for some interesting, um, interesting games towards the end of the season. No, absolutely, make things a bit livelier. And then uh, we moved on to Fulham versus Man City, and uh, we said in the last podcast that which City would have too much for Fulham. And credit to Fulham, that you know they, they really went at it. They, they do play a lot of good football. They're they're really up for it, you know. As I mentioned, in retrospect, to Newcastle who don't look up for it. Um, they were nil nil for half time. Then you know City came out and blew them away. May ended up winning the game three nil. John Stones on the score sheet again. You know, he's, he's got five goals this season. He's got a lot more goals than Joe Linton at Newcastle, which I'll leave it right there. And that he's a shoe in for the PFA Player of the Year, or Team of the Year, mate, arguably Player of the Year. Uh, but yeah, it was nice to see Aguero back on the score sheet too, mate. And uh, thank God Parker can now retire that hideous jacket of his that he thought was a lucky coat. So how did you see the game, mate? Yeah, I think Fulham, Fulham were doing okay. I think City always looked the, the the better side. They they just needed the, the breakthrough, which they got early early on in the second half. The one thing that Fulham have done really well over recent weeks is is their defend defending, um, particularly their two centre backs. It was um, Tosin that I think lost the ball for for Jesus's goal, and then he gave away the penalty. It, it was a couple of couple of howlers from him, but. I mean, City are that you know, good. When City, when City turn it on and change up through the gears, they'll beat anybody in Europe, mate. They really will. So, absolutely right. I think you can forgive forgive a couple of mistakes against City so long as the heads don't drop. Yeah, you know they've got they've got games left where they can pick points up. So, absolutely. You know, you, you take one on the chin and you go, well, yeah, they are going to be the champions. Mm. We sort of expect it. We did okay. We can take some positives from it. Parker's a positive manager, so he, he will definitely have him there. So so moving on, speaking of moving on, we'll move on to Sunday and um Southampton versus Brighton, the the game that shattered my weekend. So Friday night was bad enough. Um Southampton versus Brighton, relegation battle. 
the club that Newcastle are looking at leapfrog, the team that can't score a goal, scored two goals, mate. They played very, very well and they've got Newcastle next and I am petrified that they have revived and they're going to beat us as well. How did you see that game, mate? Yeah, I mean, they, I think they, they fully deserved the win. Um, I think Dunk's header was, was what, 16 yards out and he thunders one in the corner. Yeah, Maybe Forster can be disappointed he doesn't doesn't get there. Um, they then looked like they'd shot themselves in the foot, um, okay. given the sort of not letting you know not clearing the ball and allowing Adams to to score the equaliser. But then you know they they were positive. Um, they, they went on. They brought another striker on to to kind of go for it. And Trossard's goal was a good one. And yeah, the the team that couldn't score at least couldn't score more than one goal. You know, they looked like they could have got a couple, mm. and, and they had opportunities for a couple more. And maybe they're they're just clicking at the right time now. I think you're right, mate. I think their tails are definitely going to be up going in the game of the Amex, mate, uh, against Newcastle. And I'm not feeling positive. So moving on to Leicester, Sheffield United. Speaking about not feeling positive, is a huge week for Sheffield United. The first time they took to the pitch without Chris Wilder in the dugout for five years. You know, make make sense of, of whatever's gone on there, if you will. I, I personally think it was a bit it was a bit strange. So Paul Heckenbottom was the, the standing manager promoted up from the under twenty threes. But <coughs> excuse me, Sheffield United were dreadful and Leicester were brilliant. Uh, battered them five nil, mate. Um uh, Iniacho Hattrick, you know, Leicester looked fantastic. How did you see the game, mate? I think exactly that. Leicester were were brilliant. Um, Sheffield United were just. I mean, they hadn't turned up. Um, they left so much space open to to Leicester players going forward. I thought Vardy was brilliant. Um, he he thoroughly deserved a goal. Um, the the number of opportunities that he created for others and and then the chances that he had himself. You know, it's the the Ampadu own goal. Will you know? It was Vardy's shot. So. He's unlucky there, um, but yeah, Leicester thoroughly deserve it. I mean, it, it could easily have been more. Um, Sheffield United were were that bad. They, I think they had one shot. Um, I don't even think that was on target in the, in the whole game. It never looked like getting anything from it. Um, no. And they are. I mean, I think we knew before they are completely dead and buried now. And and it, it looking on to to what happens next year. Will Hackenbottom stay in charge. I suppose that depends on how they do over the, the next few games towards the end of the season. But they very well be looking for a, a new manager come the summer as well. Yeah, the season can't really end quick enough for them, mate. But just a little note on the end of that game. I don't know if anybody saw the Iniacho's um, interview after the game. <clears throat> Absolute class act. He wished every mother in the world happy Mother's Day. And I just want to say, what a top man. You know, that was absolutely fantastic to see there. It was, I think, more so for him. I think, did they say that he'd lost his man when he was really young? You're right. So that, that's, I mean, for anybody that, that that's lost lost their mum and, and getting to Mother's Day, that's going to be tough. Um, but to to have that class um, to come out with with that, I think was would just to footballers get some stick. But that was such a lovely moment for from a from a nice a nice guy. Yeah, um, he thoroughly deserved all the praise he get he, he got yesterday because I thought he was tremendous. He was. He, um, he, he possibly could have had two or three more goals. Um, so it's you know nice. It's his first Premier League hat trick. So yeah, I think he's he's starting to look. I think the player that 
a lot of people thought he was when he, he was at City and then he, he, he went to Leicester and he's never really shown, but he, he started to score regularly now and, and that, that sort of partnership with Vardy looks like it's thriving. You're right. And, and you know, just to close on Leicester, they, they, they do need a contingency plan for whenever Vardy's rocket fuel legs start to pack in and I think the, the better any Acho plays and the more goals he gets can only be good for the boxers, mate. So, so moving on to the, the North London derby, um, we'll try and get there on time, unlike Aubameyang, unfortunately, who uh, rocked up late and was dropped. Uh, so <laughs> Arsenal did manage to win the game 2-1, though. Um, a game that was, it was a strange game. I mean, going into I think we, we backed Spurs for the win. Most people backed Spurs for the win, but in a typical Spurs manner, you know, they, they, they just didn't, didn't show up. Uh, a great goal from Lamella, is worth saying, the Rabona. But then uh, he was a, a bit of a bonehead later on and he, and he got a red card for uh, slapping Kieran in the face, mate. But uh, how did you see the North London derby? I think Arsenal were really, really good. They, they kept Tottenham quiet. Tottenham in the first half had one shot on goal, which was Lamella's goal. Other than that, they, they didn't give them a sniff. I, I don't even think they gave him much, much chance until Tottenham were down to 10 men. Um, you know, I think Lamella doesn't give the referee any choice. He's looking at that second booking. He, not, you know, he argue that he he puts his arm out to to kind of protect himself from the oncoming defender. But if you look at the, the sort of the replay, he leans across, he puts his arm across straight into is it T in his face? Oh, yeah. With with a push out. I don't think he gives the referee any choice. Jose, Jose um, knew right away. He saw the replay. Oh, the, the yeah, look Jose. on his I mean, the the two the two sort of faces that were pulled. Were, one was um, Reggion's face after Lamella's goal was. I think everybody's face after that goal, uh, and the second was, was the look on Mourinho's face at, when when Lamella was sent off. It just, yeah, he's he, not a happy happy man. But I, I think he's. The way maybe that, that Mourinho set Spurs up yesterday has cost them the game. Um, it, it didn't look the, the fluid cells. It's uh, Obviously, they lost Son pretty early on as well, which won't help. You know, that front sort of three. You lose one of those, that that's going to hurt. Um, but I think Arsenal, yeah, well worth their, their win. Yeah, definitely. I think we, we we said that ourselves when we were talking about the game that, you know, Lamella, Lamella is a good player and he's got talent and he can pull things out like that out of the bag, but it just lacks that little finishing, you know, kind of je ne sais quoi that makes you a great player like Son. You know, he's, he's a bit like if you bought Son on Wish, you'd get Lamella. You know, he's, he's just not quite, just not quite as good as it would be fair. So, but yeah, um, you know, I'm sure Spurs will bounce back on that as well, mate. But moving on to the, the last game of the weekend, uh, which was Man United and uh, West Ham. So, Man United won this game 1-0. Uh, quite an unfortunate own goal, to be fair, by Dawson. And again, West Ham looked good, mate, and, and unlucky to lose. Well, I, I think United had plenty of plenty of possession. They had plenty of attempts. Fabianski made some really good saves to, to kind of keep it, um, keep it at 1-0. I think you know West Ham were good, but they they never really threatened the United goal. Um, again, I don't think they had a shot on target. They still look solid, but I think United just look a, a step above them. Maybe is that that is West Ham's level. Um, but again, they, they they're doing so well that an off game you forgive forgive them for having, um, and they'll look to to bounce back again. You know the. 
they're not going to be happy with with the way that they they played. I think United can be be more than happy with the win. Absolutely, mate, absolutely. So that does us for the Premier League roundup. But it's been a big week in European football. So next section, we're going to move on to uh, European roundup. Okay, so it was a big week this week in Europe with Champions League and Europa League fixtures. So we're going to have a little look at some of the highlights and, and some of the main teams that were in action. So on Tuesday, we had Dortmund versus Sevilla, ended in a 2-2 draw. Uh, no surprise who took the headlines there. That man again, Haaland with a brace. And in doing so, he became the youngest player to reach 20 goals, 20 Champions League goals. And uh, he did it, I believe, in 10 less games than our very own Harry Kane, mate. So uh, Dortmund went through uh, 5-4 in aggregate. How did, you, how did you see that one, bud? Uh, it was a it was a really good game. Um, you know, Dortmund a, a little bit against the run of play to start with. Um, you know, took the lead, but Sevilla really came back into it. And you know, they got their the later goal. They really could have scored again in, in the last couple of seconds. The ball just really didn't fall to anybody to have a, have another shot. And to that point, I mean, that was a tremendous game of football to watch. Um, but but actually pale and uh, insignificant against the other one of that night. Oh yeah, the Juventus Porto game. I mean, Juventus won three two on the night, but Ronaldo and Co crash out and huge pressure mounting on Pirlo made us. And then and what, what worried me a little bit was the game seemed to pass Ronaldo by, and I suppose it's it's a question, potentially a question that he answered actually later on in the week when he grabbed a hat trick. But is he a spent force in Europe? You know, and Haaland getting the headlines. You know, how how do you how do you see Juventus and Perlo and Ronaldo going forward, mate. Um, I'm not so sure about Perlo, but whether they they seem to they've dropped off in the league. Obviously, they they don't look like they're gonna, you know, retain the title this year. That looks like it's gonna go to to Inter. Ronaldo, I think they talked about it. Obviously, not renewing or, or not extending his contract. That's that's got a year left at the end of this season. Will he move on? Does he does he go somewhere that can? sort of potentially guarantee him a, a run at the Champions League one last time. I think that was the, the point of bringing him in in the first place was to, you know, to cross that line. They'd, they'd made two finals um, and, and been beaten. But I think since he's been, they haven't, they haven't got past the quarterfinals. I think that's the, the record. Um, yeah. Obviously, All these people want to knock the guy, Messi fans probably. <laughs> Yeah, I mean he's still phenomenal. It shows yesterday. He, you know he scores a hat trick um, mm. yesterday, and you know he's not done. He, he's one of the, the the fittest players left on the planet. Still, he, you know he's he's thirty six. He's still he's still got years ahead of him if he wants to. Um, but I kind of think that might not be at UV next season, and that'll be elsewhere. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I for one hope he has one last hurrah in Europe before he disappears off to, to be the face of the MLS, which I can I can definitely see happening, possibly with Bexers into Miami even. But moving on to the uh, Wednesday, Liverpool back to winning ways, mate. 2-0 win at Anfield against uh, Leipzig. And uh, nice to see Salah and Mane back in action. And wonder if this is Liverpool turning the corner, mate. I think the, the European form has, has remained pretty good, even though the, the league form has dropped off. Um, I think they looked really comfortable. You know, they, they never looked like... Like losing that game or losing the the tie, so you know they they they, they did all right. Um, so yeah, I think maybe 
can they use that as a springboard now to get themselves back back in the league again? Yeah, well, that, that's what the Liverpool fans will be hoping for, mate. Absolutely. Uh, but moving on to the other game on Wednesday was PSG Barca. The game ended one one. The damage was done from the first leg. Really, PSG went through five two on aggregate. Um, a game largely remembered for uh, Mbappe being the youngest player to get twenty five goals. So that competition between him and Haaland rages on. And uh, Messi scored a, a bit of a crap tap in, mate, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, twenty was a thirty-yard tapping. It was, it was a, it was a hell of a goal. It shows he still got it. Um, yeah. You know, even if the the team around him isn't what it once was, he's still he's still that good. Um, I think Haaland's going to obliterate that twenty-five goal record, and they look like the pair that are going to be. I, I, I hate to liken them to the other two, but are they going to be the? The Messi and Ronaldo going forward, the ones that battle it out with Champions League goals and records and, and all sorts. So, you know, they're two young players that are, are just brilliant. So it's going to be fun to watch them. No, definitely. I think in the next few years, they are certainly going to be the, the name on everybody's lips made. So, so that's it for the Champions League. The next round of, of games are uh, on uh, the 16th of March. And then uh, we'll have you covered for the reviews on the, on the next podcast. So moving into the Europa League, um, concentrating mainly on the British sides, Manchester United uh, threw away the game really didn't they, to draw one nil, uh, sorry ones each. Sorry at Old Trafford, and uh, good goal by the new boy Diallo, very Chicharito type header. But I just can't help shake this feeling that the next leg is set up for Zlatan to ruin the party, mate. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think conceding in the in the dying minutes doesn't help them at all. Um, you know that away goal now counts against them. I think they'll they'll struggle a little bit more in in Milan. They looked all right. I, I think Milan had some some really good chances as well. They had a, a goal chalked off for for handball as well. But I think the it goes down as that game will be remembered mostly for Maguire's miss, which I, I still now can't fathom how he he hasn't put that one in at the back post. Absolutely, mate. That's got to be the miss of the season by a country mile. Uh, I couldn't believe it, you know, uh, especially for the money that the guy costs. Unfortunately, he's never going to be able to shake that price tag. And you'd expect, uh, well, I'd say expect a player of his quality to put that in, but I'd probably expect my mother to put that in, mate. She's 68 years old from two yards. But <laughs> moving on to the next game, uh, Slavia Park and uh, Rangers. So it's a great away point or a draw for Rangers away from home. Uh, Gerard's unbeaten run in Europe continues and I think it sets it up really nicely for the return like Ibrooks mate, where you'd back them to take care of business, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think they you know they stay unbeaten. Uh, I mean Slavia probably and no mugs, they they are a good side. They obviously put Leicester out. Um but you'd you'd back Rangers at home to to go on and, and take the tie. They've they've got an away goal. It is only the one, so you know it, it you know if, if Slavia can can score, especially early early on, that they might it puts a little bit more pressure on Rangers, but I'd, I'd back Rangers to, to see that one through. Absolutely, mate, especially the way they've been playing. Moving on to Arsenal, this was obviously previous to the uh, the, um, the North London derby. Arsenal won 3-1 away at uh, Olympiacos, which was a great result. So uh, Odengard gets first goal and obviously followed it up with another one in the North London derby. Very good strike. And uh, you, you back Arsenal just to take care of that in the second leg as well, the Emirates, mate, wouldn't you? I think so, yeah. I think they looked rocky for most of that game. Um, defensive issues again uh, that that cost them the the goal could have cost them another. 
but those sort of two late goals that make it much more comfortable for them. So, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd put your money on them to, to go through now. Absolutely, mate. And uh, the North London rivals, Spurs, uh, at um, <clears throat> at Spurs Stadium, 2-0 against the Grab. A nice two goals for Harry Kane, his 25th and 26th of the season. Like, the guy's been phenomenal this season, he really has. And you'd, you'd probably back Spurs to take care of business uh, in the next leg as well, mate, over there. They don't have to do anything now. They 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 can happily sit. I don't think that that Zagreb will, will trouble them too much, um, and they've got plenty of quality that Spurs side to to even just take a you know get one goal away from home and it, it settles the tie instantly. Yeah, you, you certainly bat them to get a goal. So the return legs of, of those games are the 18th of March, and again we'll have those covered on the next episode of the podcast. Um, so that's us done for this, and we're going to move on to the next section. Okay, so we're moving on to our new section now where we focus on one of the articles up on the blog site. And we put an article up there the other day. I wrote it myself, and it was uh, about the enigma that's Paul Pogba, and we call it the problem or the solution. So just kicking this off, mate, I'm going to get into this with Paul Pogba. He's a very polarising player, um, a very popular player, no question, I think, especially with the, the fans in the modern-day era. He's got the social media presence. He likes a dab. He likes a bit of a jig, you know, that kind of a stuff. But I think Manchester United signed this guy for 89 million quid. Uh, you know, he was more expensive than Gareth Bale was at the time. You know, has he been a success? Has he been a failure? I think it depends who you talk to. I, I know some United fans who can't stand the bloke. And and I think, for me, the biggest problem with him, generally, is uh, I think it's that unfulfilled potential that he has sparks and glimmers of being something incredible, something special. And then he'll disappear for the next five or six games. Or he'll play two or three good games and his agent starts working himself, trying to angle a move for Real Madrid. And and I think that, that is a huge problem for you know Man United fans who, despite all the glory hunting tags that they get, a lot of these United fans are very loyal, you know. And and you know, we've been used to seeing, even as non-United fans over the years, the kind of midfielders that they have, Roy Keane's, you know, back end of Brian Robson we call, you know, the skulls, and and even Bruno Fernandez, who's came in. And for me, he's came in and looked every inch of Manchester United midfielder. He's become the fulcrum of the team. He's galvanised that squad. There's no secret that they've gone from being dancing around seventh or eighth to you know, up in the top four again, because largely because of Bruno Fernandes. Going back to Pogba, you know, he's been there what, you know, five years or something now. 28 goals in 127 games. I think he's had more haircuts than Man of the Match awards, mate. So for me, I think he's been a flop. How do you see Paul Pogba, mate? I think you're right. I, you know, if you take this season in particular from him, he's Premier League wise, he's got no assists. He's got no, he's created no big chances for, for his team. It's for a player that is is that good and can be because we've seen it. Um, he does it for, for France regularly. Um, he's just, he is a letdown and Sort of was it twenty eight goals and one hundred and twenty something games? Did you say that? Yeah, yeah. So I mean that in itself doesn't sound so bad, but he hasn't scored. Has he scored once this season? I don't think he scored a Premier League goal this season. Um, he's certainly got he's got no assists um, at, at all, um, and and for a player of that caliber, you you it's so frustrating because you can see 
how talented he can be. Um, and uh, forgive me, he scored three goals this season, so I, you know, I'll take that one back straight away. But, but again, for for a midfielder of his quality, you'd expect him to to maybe have a few more. Um, you've only got to look at the the return of, of sort of Fernandez, and I know he's he's a penalty taker, so his his numbers will be increased. But his general plays, his assist level is so much higher. Um, it's. United look better when Pogba's not in the side. I think that that comes down to it. For, for me, anyway, that's my that's my view. Um, yeah, you know, shoot me down if you want um, anyone, but my view, <laughs> you know, United just have looked so much better when he's not played. Um, so I think it's that time. I think maybe that 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 he he moves on regardless. Yeah, I think you're right, mate. I mean, you know. There's no question the guy is a talented player. I mean, he, he's very good at Juventus. And I know, obviously, you know, I think I wrote in the piece that Sir Alex Ferguson doesn't get rid of bad players. And for a large time, Pogba looked like that biggest mistake that he ever made. So when they brought him back and they invested all that money in him and they put that confidence and faith in him, yes, he wasn't coming into a team that was winning titles and trebles, like, you know, like Keane was in and Scholes was in and everything else. But you would expect him to have, have grabbed his chance to be the man. You know, there was big players around him. Yeah, they were coming towards the back end of their career and Zlatan and Rooney, you know, but Rashford was coming through and there was a few good young players around him that he should have really inspired that next generation. And for me, he just flatters to deceive. I mean, I think he actually thinks he's a better player than he is. You know, when you look at the France element that you're talking about there, Obviously, he's a World Cup winner in 2018. You can never take that away from him. But look at the players he was surrounded by. The guy next to him, Kante, how much work he put in, the, the effort he put in. Mbappe, Griezmann, you know, ran at the back. He was surrounded by world-class players, you know. So, of course, you're going to look good in a team like that. But, yeah, for me, they use that word world-class. And, and whenever you talk about Pogba, you get into this argument on social media a lot of times about, well, he's world-class, he's world-class. You can't be world-class if you're not taking Scott McTominay and Fred out of the first team to get a game. No. Then for me, you, you don't get to call yourself world-class. You look at players like, um, you know, before him, your Vieiras and your Zidane's, and you can't lace their boots. And even his contemporaries now, you look at what De Bruyne brings to that City team. That's a world-class midfielder, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the biggest thing, you, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. When he came back, he was brought back as the star. You know, that amount of money, it shouldn't always dictate what you expect, for, but for a player of his quality, you'd expect him to stand out. And when he's come back in to to help and drive those those younger players forward, to be the one that is the, the focal point of the team, for the team to be built around. And, you know, he had a... He had a good season a couple of seasons ago, and it, oh, okay, maybe this is this is the point in which he kicks kicks back back on for United, and he, he's fallen away, and he just he doesn't inspire you in no. the, in the same way that a De Bruyne does, and maybe that's that's comparing apples and oranges, isn't it? But he um, he just doesn't inspire you as a as a as a fan. You can't. You, you don't look at him and think, wow, that, he's going to make a difference today. You look and just think, which one's going to turn up? It's, ex it's exactly that, mate. And going back to what you were saying, when he had a good season, this to me, I think, is a large problem with Pogba. And some of the Manchester United fans I know, good friends of mine, 
this is a huge problem for them. And, and you see it with Gary Neville's reaction too. It's certainly Graham Souness's. Um, when he has those good games, he has those good seasons, he starts making the noises about, oh, I'm better than United. I need to move on. And I'm going to go to Real Madrid and I'm going to go to Barcelona and all that kind of stuff. And when you, when you look at it, previously, he would never have got anywhere near a Barcelona or Real Madrid midfield. But maybe, as you rightly say, now is the time. Now is the time to move him on, especially with those huge Spanish giants looking to rebuild as well. You know, they could get a decent little bit of money for him, send him over to Spain. Yeah, but I definitely think he's holding Manchester United back. I think players like Van der Beek need a chance, you know, they go back to the transfer market. Are they going to try and buy a Madison or a Grealish even? Pogba's done at United for me, and I, I just think he's holding them back, mate, and it's time to move on and, and end that chapter. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think cash in, let him go and, and play where he wants to play, which, I, you know, I don't think is in the Premier League anymore. Um, maybe he, he feels that that La Liga or somewhere will suit his, his style better, take the money, build, go and go and sign yourself a play that's going to be a difference maker rather than somebody that's, you, you almost carry half the game, so. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, so I think we're, we're both in agreement there. Obviously, if you want to listen to the podcast, guys, you know, put a comment on the weather platform you're listening to with Paul Pogba, all bets are off. We all have a different opinion, you know, but I think, me and Mark are both on the same page here that we think it's time for Pogba to go and uh, Manchester United need to move on. And just like that, we're going to move on to finish the show with the last section. Okay, so it's time to have a little look at the upcoming fixtures. And uh, we're going to start by uh, Monday night, mate, which is Wolves versus Liverpool. How do you see that one going, mate? Um, I suppose it depends on which Liverpool turn up. Um, I think it could be could be quite a tight game. I think I've probably said that about every game so far that we've we've looked at. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's you know if if Liverpool that of last season or even of a kind of European games this season are the ones that that turn up, then I, I think they'll win. Um, they, they seem to do better away from home anyway, so you you kind of figure that they they'd have enough there. If Salah and Mane are on form, then you, you, yeah, you you wouldn't you kind of wouldn't bet against them. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to send the fence and get a splinters in my ass, but I'm going to go for a draw on that one. Person, I think uh, Liverpool are a little bit patchy, and I think Wolves have been a bit of a bogey side for them over the years, haven't they? So so it might be it might be a draw. So Tuesday night, turn attention to the championship a little bit. So a couple of big promotion games there. So Watford are taking on Rotherham and their Swansea are taking on Bournemouth, which is a huge game for both of those clubs. And, and obviously Watford and Swansea are just trying to close in on that automatic play, automatic uh, promotion place, mate. And, and Bournemouth, if they don't start winning again, they're going to slip out the playoff picture as well, aren't they, mate? They could do. And there's a little gap there already for them um, to try and get back into the, the those those playoff positions. It feels like they've, they've sort of hit that, that little poor run or sort of, or dropped away while others are, are picking up picking up results. Um, I mean they've not they've not had a bad run of form, but they just they've lost a couple more games than, than the others around them, and mm. that that gap has just gone gone now to towards it five points. So mm. they if they don't start to to pick up, there's only ten games left, so they could find themselves you know 
well outside of that. If certainly if you know if Barnsley keep playing the way that they're playing and Reading can can kind of keep going the way that I, I can't see them getting back in. So a win would you know that they have to really win to to get that that push back on track. Absolutely, mate. We both know how hard that championship can be, mate, as well, you know. So it's a, you, know, you lose a couple of games and you could be right out of it. You win a couple of games and you, you're right back in. So, um, as we mentioned, the Champions League returns. So, I think on the Tuesday, we've got Man City and Busher, Bush and Glad back, and then Real Madrid take on Atlanta as well. So, that's that's two tough games there, mate. How do you see those games going? I think you'll look at the home teams in both. You know, City have a 2 0 lead. Munch and Gladbach have kind of fallen apart of late since. Um, since Marco Rosa said he was was off to to Dortmund, they would be they do well to kind of cut their ties with him now. Um, anything other than a than a City win, um, I, I think is pretty impossible. Um, I think Madrid will will kind of see they've only got a one goal lead. It isn't a away goal, so you you put you you'd put them to win. Um, again, Atlanta haven't quite been as good as they have been in the, in the previous couple of seasons. So yeah, I, I can't say. See anything but a but a City win and a Madrid win there. No, I think you're probably right, mate. Back in then as well. Um, and obviously the other games on the Wednesday in the Champions League, we've got uh, Chelsea and Atletico Madrid, and we've got Bayern Munich and Lazio as well, mate. So I'm kind of on those sides. I'm I'm going to go for two home wins as well, and then mate. I think the Chelsea game will be hard, uh, but I think they might just nick it against Madrid. I think it very well could be like the last one by one goal. Chelsea aren't conceding goals; they're, they're not scoring many, but. Atletico again have, have hit a, a sort of a sticky patch and, and not picking up wins. So I think yeah, Chelsea a draw or Chelsea win, and then I think Munich. Will, I mean, they're they're four one up. They, they probably add to that with another four or five. Yeah. I can say they could probably play the kids, but the kids are probably fantastic as well. To be fair, so so yeah, moving on to Thursday, we've got the return legs of those Europa League games, which we've we've just covered previously. Friday, we're back in Premier League action, and again, this is a game sadly for me that I'll probably pay way more attention to than I should do, and that's Fulham versus Leeds. And the reason being, if Fulham beat Leeds, my club Newcastle are in the bottom three. How do you see that one going, mate? Um. You kind of you you would think Leeds would have enough to to win. Um, if Fulham can put that City result out of their heads and and, and get on with the way that they were playing be- before that, you, you'd argue that they they would have a, a better chance. I suppose it depends which Leeds turn up. Um, if they take their chances, if they are a little bit more clinical than than they were against. Chelsea and um, and against West Ham, you know they had opportunities really to to get a goal in in both of those those games. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I lean towards towards maybe as a draw, um, which certainly helps Newcastle out. Not an awful lot though. Yeah, well, you're probably more optimistic than me, mate. Again, you're right. I think. Uh... It depends if Bamford's got his slippers on or his boots on, and, and uh, to which Leeds shows up. But yeah, I'm, I just have a horrible feeling that fate is transpiring against us, mate. I'm, I'm going to go for a Fulham win on that one. And that moves us nicely on a Saturday's game, uh, the huge game, probably the biggest game of the season for Newcastle. Brighton versus Newcastle at the Amex. Um, we mentioned before about Brighton picking up, starting to score goals again. Yeah, they forgot for so long, and now they remember. I see this as a Brighton win myself, mate. I just don't think we have enough. I think Brighton play great football. Um, the lack of that cutting edge, but I think that win and those two goals will really have their, 
you know, their tackles up, mate. And I think they'll they'll go at this game full pelt, and I think they'll steamroll Newcastle. I think the way, the way that they've played over over recent weeks, you know, they they keep the ball well, they pass it nicely, they they create chances. If if they're going to start taking those chances now, then it could spell trouble for Newcastle. And I think you're looking at a result a little bit like the Southampton game, but unless Newcastle have players back, I can't see them scoring. Um, it's it's going to be a tough one, but yeah, I, I have to go with Brighton. Well, the only rumour is that Almiron might be back. So potentially Newcastle might get someone if he's on the bench and he comes off of that pace towards the back end of the game. But but yeah, man, most Newcastle fans I know and you know, but we're not very um we're not very uh, hopeful for this at all. So moving on to Sunday, we've got two games here, West Ham and Arsenal and uh, your boys, Villa against Spurs, mate. How do we see these going? Uh again, West Ham Arsenal is gonna be be a tight one. Um if Arsenal play the way they did this weekend against Spurs, you you, you kind of look and, and and see them winning. West Ham will want to get back after after losing to to Man United at the weekend. So I, United, West Ham United don't they don't concede many goals again. Um, you know it showed really that they only conceded the one to to Man United. They only they only lost by one against Man City. It could be a little bit of a tougher task for Arsenal. Again, maybe it's a draw in that one. I agree with you on that one. I think that's a fair result. And and the Villa may take on Spurs. Which Spurs are going to turn up? Well, I think we've said that's about about several clubs. Of which one turn up? But it could be the same for Villa if if the main man's back. You know, if if Grealish is back in in the side, if he's fit and raring to go, they're they're a different proposition to to the the side that that played at St. James's Park on Friday. I think it's one wait and see. Um, I don't like predicting Villa results because I always get <laughs> them wrong. I can probably see it being a draw. Um, yeah, I mean, one, one know, draw. Yeah. I suppose it, if Spurs are missing Son for any length of time, then it, it plays in, in your favour as the opposition. If he's back... Maybe he's argue that Spurs will 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 have more than enough to win that game. But if if Villa have Grealish, then he is a difference maker, no matter who he's playing against. I certainly think it'll be a better game if if you know Grealish and Son are in it as well. So that's us done for the Premier League. But just one last fixture and a tasty one at that. And the Old Firm derby is due on Sunday, and Celtic host the champions Rangers. And I can't imagine there'll be many high fives and cuddles going on in that game, mate. And well done. I don't see a guard of honour either, to be fair. <laughs> they might have to do that. They might have to do that. But I think we're going to cover this on the blog as well. I mean, we're going to do a match review on this and uh, get it up there because uh, I think it's been a great season for Rangers and, and Selick a really bad season. And be interesting to see how much fire and brimstone is in this game because I think Selick really need to show that they're up for making up for this season, don't they? I think they'll want to prove a point now. You know, they've they've lost the league massively well, by, by a massive amount. They'll want to show that they're not just going without a fight and want to show, you know, all right, you've had this one. We're back next season. It could be it could be a, a lively game. It could be one of uh, Scott Brown's last old firms, if those reports are to be true. Maybe moving Aberdeen as a player manager. So um, that could be an end of an era for him as well. So it'll be very interesting to watch, mate. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's probably about time that Scott Brown moved on. Uh, he's got he's been there that long, and I think his his performances, although he he always gives you a hundred percent, he's he isn't the player he was, and and that form has dropped away. So it's time to move on. Time to uh, Celtic are going to have to rebuild. I think we said this last week. Yeah, that they're going to have to rebuild over the over the summer and and to to try and challenge again. Absolutely, mate. But yeah, we'll we'll cover that for the blog and we'll have a good review up there for any of the old firm fans who want to want to check it out. So that's us done for this section, guys. <laughs> We've just about blown the whistle for full time on this week's episode. Thank you very much for joining us, mate. Yeah, thanks, Chris. It's been uh, it's been an interesting one again. Absolutely, and thank you, listeners, for listening to our podcast, or in some cases, our podcast. Do you like that one, mate? Podcast. Come on, come on, give me that's some. Dreadful. That's dreadful. That's <laughs> dreadful. Uh, so I'm getting I'm becoming such a dad joke, bitch. It's horrendous, mate. Yeah, but if you like this type of thing and you want to hear a bit more football chat, please click subscribe and leave a comment for us on your preferred podcast platform. And if you can, give us a follow on Twitter at our brand new Twitter handle of at SRP Blog. I like that, mate. It's less of a mouthful than stand uh, slide rule podcast, I think. I might use SRP pod for the next one, which would be very good. And you'll find all the links to our football-related articles there. So without further ado, thank you very much, guys, and uh, take care. Thanks very much, everyone. Bye-bye.